Bet365 sponsors StarCast, and with over 45 million members, they're the world's favorite online betting company. Did you know you can create personalized bets? So if you fancy Gladbach to clinch the last Champions League place ahead of Leverkusen next week, or Werder Bremen to edge ahead of Dusseldorf in the battle to stay up, Bet365's Bet Builder lets you create personalized bets and calculate the odds for any football match. Right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Steiercast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today, it's a big Werder inquiry. Are relegation-threatened Bremen victims of circumstance or just not very good? We also look at the renewed success of crowd non-favourites Leverkusen, Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim in terms of Europa League qualification, ask whether Lucien is still the father figure that Dortmund need, check in on Julian Nagelsmann's defunct title challenge and pay tribute to Bayern manager Hansi Flick after winning the league in impressive fashion. All of this and more in Starcast. Well, leading the line, Veko style today are Christoph Biermann and Archie Rintut. Welcome, friends. Plenty to talk about today, but before we start, a regular reminder that you can get all of the Athletics' fantastic Bundesliga coverage and indeed all their other football and non-football stuff for 40% discount if you use the code BUNDESLIGASBACK. Go to theathletic.com forward slash BUNDESLIGASBACK. Okay, well, we do have some clarity about the relegation fight. Mainz will stay up for yet another season, but one out of Werder Bremen and Düsseldorf will go down. It's both fighting for the relegation playoff place, but uh, one of them will come short. And it looks like Werder at the moment, because they lost against Mainz, whereas Düsseldorf got another of those draws that they seem to specialize in to keep themselves just a couple of points ahead of Werder. How do we see this one finishing, Christoph Biermann? It's very likely that um, Werder Bremen will go down directly and uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf will uh, go out in the two relegation matches against uh, the third of the second division. That is very likely or not very unlikely Heidenheim. Um, But that's another story. I think, I mean, when you look at Werder Bremen, they need a a home win against Cologne in the last match of the season. And how many home wins did they have so far? The answer is one. They won against Augsburg in their second home match of the season. That was on 1st of September. And um, I, I think you you even need some fantasy to imagine them uh, uh, winning a home match. And uh, Florian Kofeld was saying after the f- defeat in Mainz, uh, that he was feeling brutally empty and um, uh, the sports director Frank Baumann was saying he is not really optimistic uh, for for the rest of the season. So um, I I think it's it's highly likely um, that they will go down and and there's something that's speaking for Fortuna Düsseldorf and uh, that's what you already said. Um, They have specialized in draws under Uwe Rösler 
uh, he, he was coaching them for 14 matches and they were drawing nine and losing only to uh, Dortmund, uh, Mönchengladbach and Bayern. Uh, so I think they have a fair chance to get the points uh, they need uh, on the final match at uh, Union Berlin next Saturday. Another advantage they might have is that Union having secured their uh, Bundesliga existence have been on the beers, I think, quite heavily <laughs> since then and might not be in the best condition to offer help for Werder. But I think the hangover... Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. <laughs> but I, I, I think the hangover should, should be over next uh, Saturday. I think it was a bit of a problem. On uh, uh, last Saturday when they were losing uh, 4-0, at, at Hoffenheim, uh, but they have uh, now they have a week to recover, and I think that shouldn't be the problem. Um, Archie, if Erda do go down, um, apart from the fact that they can't win at home, how can we explain a side that you know were fighting for the Europa League last season having such a collapse this year? <sighs> That's a good question. I think the answers to it are multiple and. I look at I look at the way that Nuri Shaheen was given a central role behind Maxi Egerstein and Davy Klaassen. There being one of them, they needed a more dynamic uh, holding midfielder because I think that's provided a lot of space for opposition teams this season. You look at the recruitment, you look at the the, the money spent. Um, or, or, or the part of the budget spent on Leonardo Bittencourt, and indeed in the in the winter transfer window, bringing in your favourite player Kevin Falkt, um, along with Omar Top. It's been a huge success. Exactly, um, <laughs> and actually, I think you can point a little bit to um, something of a quiet but important loss in Werder Bremen's. Uh, off, off the field team in Tim Steiten, uh, their their squad planner. So the guy who brings in, who who organises all the transfers. He went to Bayer Leverkusen last summer, and the sort of imagination that you saw in in the transfers before, um, when bringing in kind of players that we'd never really heard of, but had been successes at Werder, the likes of Yerzy Pavlenka. Milos Rashica, uh, um, Thomas Delaney even, and Lud Ludwig Augustinsson. You look at the players that they brought in in winter and it just pointed to, well, we've only really been watching the Bundesliga, so I guess these guys can do a job. And I think, I think there's something to be said for, for, the, um, for the way that Florian Kohfeldt has relied too much on older players who have not quite got it anymore. Do you remember when Hamburg uh, brought in Matti Steinmann under Christian Titz uh, from from their second uh, from their second team in the fourth tier? And he's given Christian Gross a similar chance, uh, Florian Kohfeldt in a similar vein, and it's just not worked out. Okay, there have been injuries. Losing someone like Ludwig Augustinsson for a lot of the season makes a difference. Of course, we've talked about Max Kruser, but there's a certain point where you have to stop talking about Cruiser and think that this side has more than enough to it to stay in the Bundesliga compared to its uh, compared to the teams around them. And yeah, as Christoph says, one home win, and adds to that, Raf, they've 
only scored, they've not scored a Bundesliga goal from open play at the Weserstadion in 15 hours. In that time, you could drive to the Allianz Arena and back nearly, <laughs> and, and Werder still wouldn't have scored. When we talk about their personnel, um, I mean, the, the transfer that, uh, that they made, I, um, I, I think the big transfer, or as we say in, in, in Germany, the Königstransfer was Nicholas Füllkrug. He, he came for almost 7 million from Hanover uh, at the beginning of the season. And uh, he had a terrible injury and he, he missed most of the season. He only came in two matches ago. And I think altogether injuries were a big part of, of the problem uh, that uh, Werder was facing. I mean, they changed their athletic coach and their team doctor and, and whatever, because they were seeing um, that they were having a lot of problems um, with... Um, Uh, having players fit and uh, uh, preventing injuries and stuff, but they never solved the problem. And uh, uh, I think that's also a, a big part of, of, of the explanation. So in general, the planning um, of, of the whole team. Uh, um, and again, I, I think we have to talk about Max Kruse because he was the most influential player uh, last, uh, last season. And, and when he went, uh, they never found a solution to replace him or to find a new system that uh, that was working as well as the one uh, with Max Kruse and they had a lot of injuries and, and so on and so on and in the end um, uh, although it's it's pretty sad. I mean, we we, we said it before that Werder Bremen is a likable club, but but um, uh, I, I have to say it as it is. I mean, they deserve to go down. And what does that leave uh, Florian Kohfeldt? Uh, there were so many people telling everyone who wanted to listen that he is the real deal. That he's one of the up and coming coaches. That he has the special way of speaking to players, but also is tactically very gifted. Are all these things now, um, do they all need a uh, reappraisal? Or was he just a victim of the circumstances and will bounce back from that? If you had a prediction to make of what happens to him, Christopher, what would you say? The thing with Florian Kofeld is that he is um, he is fantastic in, 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 in talking about football and in general, he, he seems to be a very impressive communicator. In the end, I think he was he was also uh, he was also one of the guys who was not able to solve a, a lot of problems and not finding the the right answers to uh, the question that the situation was bringing up. And and so I don't know what what, what they will will do. I, I find it interesting that the two bottom teams uh, were staying with their coaches uh, till the end of the season. That's very interesting. I think maybe it's something we never had before in the history of the Bundesliga, but uh, I, I wouldn't bet too much on uh, that Cl uh, Florian Kohfeldt will be uh, the, the coach next season, but there is a, a, a spe very special way in how uh, Werder Bremen is doing things. They see themselves as a family and um, obviously Florian Kohfeldt, who is uh, for many years at the club, is part of the family. Ah, but uh, maybe it. It. Uh, I hopefully it's uh, they make a um, rational and not an emotional family decision. Was he not named coach of the year last season? I don't remember. I don't think it was Niko Kovac, but I will have to look. Yeah, 
I thought I thought Cofield was named Coach of the Year. And I, look, the I think I think the point that I'd make is I think that Werder would be like despite everything that's happened this season, I think they'd be mad to get rid of him because he knows this squad and there are young players to be brought through here, albeit the way that he's marginalised Johannes Eggestein uh, in favour of somebody like Josh Sargent, who has not really performed despite the many opportunities he's been afforded. Like There are young players here who I think that Kofeld can get the best out of again, uh, provided he's given that trust. If there was a time to sack Kofeld, it was in... It was in the winter break. It was maybe in January. But I think that time has passed now. And you look at the, uh, you look at the squad that, that Verde will have. Okay, you would expect the likes of Milos Rashica to go, uh, perhaps Yerji Pavlenka as well. But they've got one or two players to come back that I think would work in the, in the second division. A Verde friend of mine was pointing out Romano Schmidt who has performed well on loan at Wolfsberger uh, in Austria. Um, He showed that in the game against Borussia Mönchengladbach, you might remember, in the Europa League when they tore them apart. Um, One of the very few sides to do that this season. Um, But I think that given that Werder is looking at a, a relegation that will cost them 45 million euros, I think it is, can they really afford to go out and get another coach of Kofeld's quality. Yes, he has made mistakes, but listening to the way he talks, I think that he will learn from them. And yeah, like as, as Christoph was pointing out, him saying that he was, he was burnt out almost by, by what's been happening. I think he needs a little bit of a break uh, to just analyze what's gone on. But I, I mean, I think Vedra, not, not that it's, it's all that, uh, uh, not that this, it's all that comparable, but I think Werder are in a, a, a better state than their other northern rivals, uh, namely Hamburg as well. Well, having Googled the matter, I can exclusively reveal that Florian Kohfeldt finished seventh in Kicker's um, Coach of the Year vote okay. last season, <laughs> behind Lucien Favre in sixth, Christian Streich in fifth, Nico Kovac in fourth, Adi Hütter in third, Friedhelm Funkel in second and Jürgen Klopp in first. Well, some things change and some some things don't. So what hasn't changed is the final table, at least uh, as far as the top of the table is concerned. We will probably see the same teams in the Champions League and in the Europa League, with the exception of Gladbach and Leverkusen, who have been swapping places and uh, could well uh, find themselves in different competitions compared to what we saw last year. But, Christoph, I want to talk a little bit about the Europa League places. In Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg and probably Leverkusen, we have three teams who don't have a huge fan base, three teams who have uh, backing from either corporations or, in the case of Hoffenheim, a, a billionaire and once again, these sides seem to have done better than some of the more traditional um, clubs that we have in the league. Is that just a coincidence or does that again show us that um, perhaps they're a bit better uh, when it comes to using their considerable finances that some of those blue chip clubs 
who, who finish below them. Maybe these uh, three clubs uh, form the middle class of, of, of the Bundesliga. And, and when you when you look at the, their resources, also maybe uh, Eintracht Frankfurt would belong there. And I think there will be a lot of frustration in, uh, in Leverkusen if they don't end on the fourth place and will be playing Champions League uh, next year. But you were asking if, if they uh, do things better um, uh, than some of their rivals. Um, I would deny it for um, uh, Wolfsburg and, and Leverkusen. I think they end up where they belong to uh, when you com compare it to their uh, financial um, opportunities. I think Hoffenheim is maybe a bit of an under, uh, overachiever um, because um, they don't have as much money at hand, but uh, they playing interesting football they um they also made uh, uh, an interesting decision sacking alfred schreuder two weeks ago and the interim coach matthias kaltenbach um uh, was bringing them back on track and um so i thought um, they had five interim coaches yeah but but i think they had a head interim coach and oh, matthias kaltenbach and uh, yeah uh, so they they go for swarm intelligence maybe here and uh, but in the end you have to present the face and that was him harry's sponsors stylecast a podcast brought to you by the athletic harry's was founded by jeff and andy two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors jeff and andy knew that there was only one way to ensure quality so they bought their own factory and now by taking less profit harry's offers great quality products for a fair price their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five blade brands. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. I've been lucky to receive a set recently, and I must tell you, not only does it look very cool, it's also an incredibly pleasant way to deal with three months worth of quarantine stubble. Thumbs up from me. As a listener of Starcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95 for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast. Well, another good job is being done by Lucien Favre, or is it? Every week, I think we're fluctuating between he's doing very well and uh, he should be doing better. Well, Dortmund certainly had a very decent performance after their no-show against Mainz, beating Leipzig 2-0 to secure second place. Archie, where do you stand in the big Favre debate? We know that uh, Christoph is, is a Favrista. Are you more of a Favre, Favre skeptic or Favre denier? Favrista sounds like he's working at a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it would be a very nice coffee with lots of oh. uh, really nice ingredients and handcrafted. <laughs> a, a Favre coffee would be so patiently brewed, but the taste would be tremendous. I mean, I want him to be my Bundesliga granddad. Like, he's so great. But ultimately, if Dortmund have these ambitions to overcome Bayern Munich, I don't think he's the right guy. And I think it, his choice as a coach speaks a lot to where Aki Watzke, uh, the Dortmund CEO, and Michel Zorka in their, in their time at Dortmund, i.e. 
they've not got time for conflict anymore. And and with Lucien Favre, they're not going to have it. I think they got burnt a bit by what happened with Thomas Tuchel. But I think that there's a necessary conflict that Dortmund need to to make up this now 10-point gap to Bayern Munich in, in future seasons. And I'm wondering if this patient approach of Favre, which, albeit it's so impressive how... You look at how they outscore their their expected goals by by twenty this season. It is now, which is a ridiculous statistic, given the fact that the the next highest in the league in terms of outscoring it is Bayern on six. Like this is something that that Christoph's excellent book points out as well. How uh, how Favre continually does this, but I just wonder. I think Lucien Favre can only really get you so far. And if Dortmund's ambitions are to win titles, then I don't think Favre is the right guy. But I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if if uh, if Joachim Vatsko and Michel Zork are willing to change things and, and bring in someone different right now. And yeah, and and I would say um, really put the, the the fire underneath the players because I think that. I think that the players should be held culpable to a to a point as well, but there's not enough dominance. There's not enough um, urgency. I think to Dortmund, even even if Favre demands patience, I think that they can be they can be better than what they've shown. I think the problem that they have is that uh, you'd like to give Favre more time. He can point at his work at Zurich, where he became champion in his first season, but. I'm not sure you can necessarily argue that it's been a straight line of progress with this side. Uh, they played some wonderful stuff in the first half of last season. They played some decent stuff in the second half of this season. But in between, there were some very uneven spells. And of course, you can argue, and I think that is the biggest problem that he has, that even internally, Dortmund feel that with this squad, they should be a lot closer. And they shouldn't be below last tallies of 75. They will finish with 72 points the maximum this season. Christoph, leaving your father sympathies to the side for one moment, a cold, detached look would suggest that Dortmund haven't really improved, have they? I wouldn't say so. I mean, you're right. It's not a clear picture. I mean, but when you look at this season, especially at the uh, second part of the season, the Rückrunde after the winter break, You could say, oh, Dortmund is seven points behind Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich got 46 points and Dortmund only 39. But 46 points by Bayern Munich was is they were winning 15 out of uh, 16 matches and drawing only one. Uh, that's terrific. Uh, Borussia Dortmund is uh, losing three. And and maybe we, we should should, should uh, talk a bit about mentality. Normally, I hate to talk about mentality because it's it's a I don't know it's it's uh, addressing very often addressing uh, the wrong stuff. So so when you look at uh, Borussia Dortmund losing two nil uh, against um, Mainz fünf on on Wednesday, I, I think this is uh, tells you a bit about the the problems uh, that Borussia Dortmund is having and um, because I think you would never see such a 
match with Bayern Munich. They don't give away this uh, kind of end of the season. We are already heading towards holiday uh, uh, games because they always want to win. That is probably uh, something that is still lacking. And now we can discuss about it. Uh, can it be brought in? Uh, by a, a coach um, that is consta constantly using the whip to get this out of his players or do has Dortmund to look for this kind of players that have this mentality? I mean, they were saying that they were signing Emre Can, for example, in winter, uh, especially uh, to have that. I, 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 when you look at his performance against Mainz, maybe I'm... Not everybody is uh, totally convinced about it, but anyhow. Um, but but in general, I think a bit you could see they were bouncing back at uh, at Leipzig, outplaying them uh, on, on Saturday, showing a bit of a uh, of a reaction. But but I think over over the year that is where Borussia Dortmund can uh, can improve because they obviously have a. Uh, tremendous talent in the squad and, and they have Haaland, they have uh, Sancho, they have Julian Brandt and, and that is um, uh, a fantastic offensive power. Uh, but sometimes um, uh, they need more of this resilience. They need more of this always wanting uh, to win kind of stuff. And um, yeah, maybe um, you bring it in through a certain kind of players who influence uh, their colleagues or uh, probably you have to have a coach that is, uh, is forcing them into that, if that's possible. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. In Dortmund's defence, I would say that Bayern um, having the tendency to win everything, even after they've won games, is perhaps slightly overstated. I remember them losing... Uh, three games in the Bundesliga under Pep Guardiola after they had won the title. But I think the difference is that Bayern win games they have to win, whereas Dortmund uh, don't. And, and that's the real reason, I think, why we've seen this uh, gap uh, emerging. It's not the second half of the season that's been the problem for Dortmund. Uh, as you said, Christopher, that was nearly perfect. But the first, where they finished with only 30 points, having mustered the feat of drawing 3-3 against Paderborn and other uh, very disappointing results. I guess the debate will go on because Favre is just doing enough to be seen as the right man, but perhaps not quite enough to be seen as the ideal man. Uh, and we'll have to see how that situation will be resolved. But another manager who I think we suddenly have to question just a little bit is Julian Nagelsmann because he came in with the stated ambition to win the title uh, with Leipzig. Uh, of course, there was a sense of um, yeah being slightly ahead of the curve with that statement, but still, uh, that was um, his target. Uh, but he finds himself fighting for the Champions League places rather than the title. And 
benefited from Leverkusen's defeat to make sure that they will be back in, in the Champions League, despite a very unconvincing round of performances, especially since the restart. What, what's happened there, you think? Yeah, I think it's a difficult one to explain. Um, I mean, Timo Werner was completely shot and his head looked very much at Chelsea on, on Saturday. But I wonder sometimes if, if Julian Nagelsmann can get into the danger of overcoaching his players at time at times and it, it's pretty it's pretty unexplainable the way that that just they've been killed by draws in the second half of the season and I, I don't think they've been that far away from Bayern but you just wonder is there a certain comfort zone that playing for RB Leipzig provides you with because you don't quite have that that pressure um of of other bigger clubs and you see it with that whole Timo Werner video that Leipzig helped him produce um like uh, on on his move to Chelsea I I wonder I wonder if Nagelsmann's struggled to to keep the same motivation there I think it was a it was a, a fairly common occurrence with his Hoffenheim side that they would tail a little bit towards the end of the season um but I think I think with Hoffenheim, uh, with with Leipzig even as well, you look at some of the injuries that they've had to put up with uh, this season, and that's maybe caused players to play through, such as Marcel Sabitzer, where usually Nagelsmann would have wanted to rest them a little bit more. Um, but it's I, I find I find this this kind of drop off where they're drawing at home against Paderborn, at home against Dusseldorf. Like these are not points that they should be dropping. Freiburg, um, Freiburg as well. I, I, I think, yeah. Like <laughs> if you look at the, I, I think that's five five uh, winless games at home there since the Corona restart. I mean, we all know how famous that Leipzig atmosphere is. Dot dot dot. But um, I think that there's a set piece problem that they've still not really cured as well that was that was there for in in previous seasons as well in terms of defending them so yeah they need to sharpen up their act because like if it, it, it is Nagelsmann's aim to certainly win a Bundesliga title and I thought that they would be you know 63 points from 33 games is still a very good record but like from from where they were in February like you would expect them to be much closer than 16 points than they are to Bayern right now. Are there any explanation for this, Christoph? I think we we, we have to um, take in, into respect that this is a very young squad uh, still. Um, some of the most experienced uh, players, uh, like uh, recently Yusuf Paulsen, for example, uh, or Konrad Leimer. He's only a two, a 23 still, but, but he is uh, maybe a bit more experienced than others. Uh, were missing and uh, uh, maybe after a long season with uh, uh, games in the Champions League and, and so on, they uh, they were running a bit um, out of steam. Maybe it has to do with what Archie was saying, um, that uh, Julian Nagelsmann is a very demanding coach. And uh, maybe um, he was uh, demanding a bit too much from his players, um, uh, especially maybe something went wrong in the uh, preparation for the 
part of the season after the big break uh, because we we uh, already mentioned the statistic they had five um, games at home without winning one and um, uh, looking not very uh, convincingly and um, so that that might uh, be a mix. My impression, I mean, Julian Nagelsmann is still very young. I think he's uh, 32 uh, still. And he is so, so full of energy. He always wants everything uh, that maybe um, he has, uh, has still has to learn to uh, relax a bit here and uh, and and there and uh, uh, and find a better adjustment uh, because when you when you compare the first half of the season and and the second half of the season the the drop is just too big and I think it uh, it's uh, uh, partly re also in within the responsibility of uh, of the head coach. Okay, well, Leipzig still can win a title this year, but it would have to be the Champions League. Uh, let's see how they fare there. They're through to the quarterfinals, uh, almost through to the quarterfinals. Um, Hansi Flick, they still have a second leg to come against Chelsea, uh, Bayern, but I think Flick must be uh, praised a little bit here on the Stärkast pod. I think we've talked a lot about um, Bayern uh, as a team this season, um, but uh, Flick has really done a fantastic job hasn't he uh, turning this this team around and I was interested to, to read I think in Süddeutsche Zeitung a piece that argued that Flick with his very emphatic way of dealing with the players and and being the players friends but at the same time knowing what he wants and having very clear footballing ideas might be the ideal play the ideal manager for Bayern even though Bayern wanted somebody a lot more glamorous and, and more prominent. Um, Christoph, do you think that he could be sort of the missing link in the way that maybe Heinkes was uh, by just kind of having the human side to this Bayern winning machine? Uh, yes, um, I, I think for, for me, Hansi Flick is a coach of the season. Um, very much so, um, uh, because as we were saying, he dramatically uh, turned things around. And I think, um, I mean, Bayern had had a, a lot of uh, big names on their bench, Pep Guardiola, Luis van Gaal and, and so on. But I think there is a certain type of Bayern uh, coach that uh, fits uh, best into into their profile and that is a coach um, uh, and at uh, Jupp Heynckes is typical of that and Ottmar Hitzfeld that is also a kind of servant uh, of, of the of the team or of the club um, so not this um, a kind of super coach or super manager like Jose Mourinho or Jurgen Klopp that is like you have the feeling that they are bigger than the club but you have someone who is smaller than the club on the bench but he is also very strong in what he is doing I think that is typical um, uh, Bayern Munich I, I, I'm honestly I, I am uh, surprised that Flick is fitting in there but it's obviously so and um, you, you already said it it's um, he's, he's very emphatic he's, he's very humble but he is not weak um, he is also strong. He was here and there. He was in a in a in a kind of silent way, but very strongly addressing 
what he was wanting um, from the club also. And uh, that reminds me not only on, um, on uh, your Pinecat, but very much uh, it, it remembers me of um, my Hitzfeld. Yeah. I think what Flick has done so well, or, or you see what Flick has done so well, is find such a great balance to this Bayern side without necessarily feeling the pressure to play big money signings like, I mean, the big money signing like Lucas Hernandez, where you're thinking, how can you leave an 80 million euro defender on the bench? And yet that Bayern back four of Davies, Alaba, Boateng and Pavard has been terrific when they've, when they've been together. I think that's formed a real basis as well because... I mean, we say a back four, but given the way that Bayern attack, it's more like a back two and, and everyone else is forward because the, the squeeze, that press that they're able to put on the opposition, where it's almost like a coffee grinder, they're just really like, you, you see the way that they apply the, 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 the pressures, the opponents, I think that the first goals they scored against Dortmund in both, in both games under Flick, you see how Bayern just built this pressure over a ma- over a over a period of about uh, one to two minutes. But every time that Dortmund tried to get out, they couldn't, and the pressure just built and built and built. And that speaks to, I think, Flick's um, Flick's coaching because under Kovac, you saw how afraid uh, that Kovac was in in terms of how defensive Bayern would be uh, in comparison, and they wouldn't and they wouldn't go for the kill. And you could see how it was infuriating players because this is what this squad is built to do. So I think this is, this is a Bayern side, which is, yeah, like so good right now and really enjoyable to watch. The most enjoyable to watch since the days of Guardiola and Heinkes, for sure. And a very likeable one as well, particularly given the off-the-field efforts of uh, Joshua Kimmich and, and Leon Goretzka, who form such a great midfield axis as well. Um, and you have to fancy them for the Champions League. OK, they're not going to have played in a month, but I think maybe having having a break every now and then, like I don't think it may be quite as much of a disadvantage as it's being painted. Well, we'll have to see how that works out. Um, what I can say is that having had to juggle the egos of my Stahlkast contributors this season and making sure they all get uh, a bit of uh, game time and uh, don't get too despondent when they're missing out one week, I have a, a real appreciation of Hansi Flick's job. And I hope um, <laughs> the results have been just as spectacular as Bayern's this season. Thank you, Christoph and Archie. Thank you, listener. And we hope to catch you up. <clears throat> Thank you, Christoph. Thank you, Archie. Thank you, listener. And I hope we'll catch up with you again next week. Bye-bye.